had an absolute amazing time. And the first and foremost, I just want to give it up. Praise team is fantastic, right? They're amazing. They have it on. Let's keep it going, too. Thank you for the crossings for hosting us. Thank you guys so much. You are fantastic hosts. You are amazing. Wow, your hospitality just blows me away. Thank you to Coach Navon and all those little goodies in there were donated from, from Costco, a lot of big portion of it. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the delicious cookies. We thank you for oh the awesome canes, guys. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have blown us You've blown me away with your hospitality. I absolutely love this church because when I come home, or <laughs> it feels like that. It feels like coming home and I'm not from here. You make it feel so homey and wonderful that I can take a nap on the thing and they're sort of like, I belong here. You know, <laughs> like, I love it. It's so fantastic. You just are awesome. We truly appreciate you guys. Another thing, I gotta thank uh, Wes Waddell. Uh, my son, I think, is gonna take away from this weekend uh, something that Wes said at lunch. Uh, he came up to me and, you know, they were doing the little challenge and everything, and Wes said, this will cause exploding diarrhea on the way home. <laughs> and my son, Asher, came up to me and said, Dad, what's exploding diarrhea? <laughs> and, and then he asked, and then he's like, is it fun? <laughs> no, no, it's not. And my son took away with that. My dad has had exploding diarrhea. And it's not fun. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate that very much. He's gone. If he's come up to you, he's actually gone up to people and said, exploding diarrhea is not fun and my dad has had it. And that's like what he's saying to people. Having a seven-year-old is awesome. It is really cool. It's a lot of fun. It is so much fun. Man, I love, I love this topic. I love this topic. I love talking about victory. I love it. Isn't that awesome? Victory. Just saying it inspires something inside of you like, yes, it's amazing. Victory. We have it. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. Apparently this side is it. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. Victory. Jesus beat death. We no longer have to face hell. That's fantastic. All right, right? Yes. It's amazing. Victory. Victory in a place called Babylon. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we have this thing called victory in a place called Babylon? How do you have a place, how do you have victory in a place called your hometown? How do you have victory? What does that look like? Well, we got a story to talk about. Imagine it's in Daniel. Go to Daniel real quick. We're going to read a little bit of it. But go ahead and, and read it. And, and, and we're going to read uh, just, we're going to go through the story of David and the, uh, David, woo, Daniel and the lion's den. And so, and, and it's, a, it's a really interesting story, so we're just going to jump in right here, all right? We're going to start at verse 1. It pleased Darius. Some of y'all have heard, the you see, Daniel was a part of a couple kingdoms. He knew a couple of kings. He was advisor to a couple of different kings. And we all heard about Nebuchadnezzar earlier today. That was one of the kings. Another king that he served was Darius. So it pleased Darius to set up uh, over the kingdom 120 stirrups throughout the whole kingdom. If you have another version, it says 120 presidents, all right? These were people who were in charge of the kingdom. And over those 120 were three high officials, of whom Daniel was one of them, to who these stirrups and presidents should give an account. So the king might suffer no loss. 
verse three. Then Daniel became distinguished above the other high officials and presidents because an excellent spirit was on him. We're gonna go back to that. An excellent spirit was on him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse four, then the high officials and the presidents sought to find ground and complaint against Daniel with no regard to the kingdom. But they could not find no regard or complaint of any fault because he was faithful. And there was no error or any fault found in Daniel. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground or complaint against Daniel unless we find it in the connection to the law of his God. Then these high officials and these steriffs came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. These guys didn't come up like, I mean, they're snakes. They're snakes. You just look at these guys and you need a bath because they're oily, all right? They're just like, ugh. When they speak, you're like, ugh. King Darius, live forever. All the other high officials of the kingdom and the prefects and the steps and the counselors are all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever petitions to any god over the next 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions. O king. No, I'm not going to read it like that. <laughs> Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Verse 7, it's, man, you can just miss it. You miss it. It's just a little line. It says, all the stirrups and the prefects and the counselors and the governors are all in agreement. They're all agreed. That's a lie. All but one. And his name is Daniel. He's not in agreement to this. He didn't agree to this. They went to the king with a lie. You ever felt lied to? People, I mean, and you know, I used to do it. When I was in, when I was in the world, one thing that I was, I, I tried to be masterful at, but you can always catch lies. I was, I was a liar, and I was a liar. I was proficient at it. Like, I would lie, like, you know, if I had, like, like if I was drinking, like, a Coke or, a, you know, like a Dr. Pepper or something. Sorry, when I say Coke, I mean Dr. Pepper. That's where I'm from, right? But, so I'm drinking, like, a Dr. Pepper, you know? And someone comes up to me, he's like, hey, uh, you drinking a Dr. Pepper? I'd try to convince you it was a Pepsi. This is the kind of guy I was. Why? Because I didn't like truth. Truth scared me. If I had to face truth, that means I had to start facing some truth in my own, in my own life. And I, truth scared me. So it was easier to live a lie. And that's what these guys are doing. They're living a lie. Everybody's in agreement except one. These people felt threatened by Daniel. They were terrified of him. Why? Why were they scared of Daniel? Why did they feel threatened? Why? says it in verse 3. Someone go back to your Bibles and read verse 3 real quick. Why were they threatened by Daniel? And it says in verse 3 that an excellent spirit was on him. An excellent spirit was on Daniel. And they're threatening Daniel because they, they, they planned all this to throw him into the lion's den. And they're threatening turned into hate. 
It spewed out of them. It was human nature. It's something that stands in the way. And they saw that Daniel stood in their way of the king. So rather than try to rise up to Daniel's, to Daniel's level, what am I going to do? I'm going to get rid of it so that I can be the best one in the kingdom, so that I can have that. You ever do that in your life? We look, when the things of Babylon look so good, you're like, no matter what, I'm going to get that. I'm going to be with that girl. I'm going to have that drink. Or I'm going to, the big one right now is I'm going to have that Friday night to myself. I'm going to do that. And nothing is going to stop me. We're going to get, we're going to try to remove it. And I know, I know the thing about Friday night. I know that because I did that myself. I did that myself. It's like, oh, I'll just go out and have, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll just go out and, and, and be a part of the crowd. Then when I got on the wrong car, I wasn't like that anymore. I would try to remove that self of me so that I could get to that goal of, of, of being popular and being, being liked in Babylon. These guys were so threatened by Daniel's selflessness that they decided to kill him. Isn't that incredible? A group of men, a group of people decided to come up and kill Daniel. Now, what is an excellent spirit? Verse 3 says he had an excellent spirit on him. What is an excellent spirit? I'm glad you asked that question. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says this. I believe this is describing what the excellent spirit of Daniel looks like. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's that describing right there? The fruit of the spirit. It's describing what... The Holy Spirit is. That's what Daniel was all about. He was about the Spirit of God. He realized he couldn't do all, all these things on himself. So he had to have a spirit. He had to have, he had to, he had to, now, and, and you may be asking yourself this, because I was asking myself this as well. If you live out these attributes right here, will it make Babylon kill you or want you dead? If you live out these things, will Babylon want to kill you? Yeah, they'll throw you in lion's dens. They'll nail you to a cross. They'll do a whole bunch of stuff when you start acting this way because it threatens the world. It threatens it. We have to be selfless. We have to be selfless. If we're going to be victorious in Babylon, we have to have a selfless spirit. And another thing about that, which is really funny, because you find it in verse 4, and then in verse 5, you kind of see a different little part of it, uh, that they, they could not find any fault on Daniel, verse 4. Verse 5 is really funnier. So they decided to pick a fight with his God. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? I think that's hilarious. We can't beat Daniel, but you know what we can do? We can take his God out. <laughs> You're like, oh, man. They have no clue who they're dealing with. They have no clue who they are dealing with. And we live in a country that, we, we live in a country that, 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 I mean, right now it's struggle. They won't pick a, you know, they'll pick a fight on Christians and everything, but really what they're doing is they're picking a fight on God. And when you pick a fight with God, guess what? He shows up. Just ask Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God. Till the morning, I don't know what kind of a headlock you have God in that is till morning, but he wrestled God till the morning. And in the morning, it said that Jacob had him in a hold and God said, let me go, it's morning. 
And God said, what is your name? He said, Jacob, which means liar. He said, no longer is your name Jacob. Now it's going to be called Israel. And then something weird happens. God touched the hip bone and the, his hip pops out of socket. It's kind of like God going like, I could have done that the whole time. You don't pick a fight with God. And that's what these guys are really doing. They are picking a fight with God. And Daniel knew it. In verse 10, it says this. When Daniel knew, this is really incredible. Daniel's an amazing God. He has a lot of chutzpah, all right? That's a fun, that's a fun word, but it's very true. <laughs> he has a lot of chutzpah. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, not if the document was signed, not that the document was in question. He knew that it was signed and that it could not be reversed. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber to, and open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, Oh, king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you shall be cast into the den of lions? Daniel is one of the exiles from Judah. Pays no attention to you, O oh, king, or his injunction you have signed, but he makes his petition three times a day. And you think the king would stand up and go, oh, Daniel, you're going to get it. Ah! No, verse 14. Then, Daniel, then the king, when he heard these words, he was much distressed and he set his mind to deliver Daniel and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement. Man. If we, when we start reading this over and over again, we're going to miss that. It's, it said it now four times. These men came by agreement. They had it out for Daniel. They had it out for him. Now, this is interesting. Verse 10, Daniel knows that prayer is illegal, and he fearlessly opens the windows and prays to God and gives thanks. Man, that's... He gave Thanks? I had to read that a couple times. He didn't, he didn't open up the windows and say, oh God, help me get out of this mess. Did you hear what the king just said? That would be me. Did you hear what the king just wrote? Do you know that's what, what it's gonna do to me? Get me out of this. Mitch, uh, our, our minister back home said this. He said, when those situations come on, we need not need to pray about how we can wiggle out of these things. Out of, the, out of the circumstance that God has put you in, what you need to pray for is that God gives you a stronger back to carry it. I was like, oh man, that stuck with me. And this is a perfect example of this. Daniel seeing this, and Daniel seeing what, what's going on, goes and he gets down on his knees and he gives thanks. Because he knows who's gonna fight the battle for him. He knows what's going to happen to him. Well, he knows who he puts his trust in. Gives thanks. Man, that's really hard to do, especially in today's world. And uh, I mean, some, sometimes things just happen in life where it's hard to give thanks. Uh, in, uh, in January, right after family vacation, actually, I, uh, it was Sunday, and I got hit with a gallbladder attack at family vacation. It took me down. 
all right, hurt really, really bad. But the things y'all don't know about me is that I've had stomach and, and, and intestine issues for a very long time, all right? I've had it for about eight years, all right? I kept, I, you know, it just, it's just been, it's drying me out. It got to the point in November where I was sleeping like, like around 18 hours a day. I would come, I would go to work around eight, I'd get home around noon and I'd just sleep. I didn't have enough energy to do anything. I was exhausted. And so at family vacation, that last day, uh, Carol asked me if I was all right. I'll never forget it. And she asked, are you all right? And I went, I'm okay, because I knew I had to drive home the next day. And so we drove home, which was like 16-hour car ride. <laughs> drove home, and that morning I had a, a doctor's appointment, and they put me in there, and they, they gave me uh, a, um, oh, uh, man, I can't think of it, uh, where they put the wand on you to take a look at your insides. Ultrasound, yeah. I'm a dude, all right? So anyway. <laughs> They put the ultrasound, and she put the cream on my stomach, and automatically it started like, oh, that kind of hurts. Then she put the wand on my stomach, and I doubled over in pain. And then I passed out, and then I woke up in the uh, hospital with an IV going, what's going on? And they said, we're running all sorts of tests. Um, I, hadn't, I, ate on, I ate Monday on the way home, and I didn't get to eat anything else until Friday night. No, I'm sorry, Saturday night, because I did surgery Saturday, I believe Saturday morning. Um, they took out my gallbladder because of a gallbladder attack, uh, but they also found in my intestine that I had six inches of intestine with a growth on it. And so they decided to snip it out, which I'm glad they did. That was a good move on their part, all right? <laughs> they decided to snip it out. But when they told me when I was going under, they said, you're just going in for a gallbladder thing. They didn't tell me. They said there, there's a possibility that you could wake up with, you know, and, and this would be done, but they didn't tell me what would be happen happen if, if they cut out part of my intestine. So they cut out part of my intestine and I woke up in, in the hospital and I woke up with this thing and it's the worst. I do not wish this on anybody. I, I hate it so much, it just hit my microphone. Uh, it was an NG tube. It went all, yeah, if you know it, oh. And what it is, it goes through your nose, it goes all the way down your mouth, it's about the size of a quarter, I believe. It goes all the way down your, is it not, is it not big? Oh, it's like, it was the size of six silver dollars. I don't know. I don't know how big it is. It was huge, all right? It was massive, all right? It was like, to me, it was like someone put PVC down my throat. That's what it felt, all right? It was terrible. And they put it all the way down into your stomach, and then it, like, gets out all the gunk in your stomach because your intestines can't handle it. No one told me that that was going to happen if they cut my intestines out. So I woke up. And I couldn't swallow because this tube was down my throat. And I was sitting there like, and all I could think of was like all these medical mystery thrillers that I watch, all right? And I was like, ah, oh, help me, Jesus, they got me. Like, I was just like, I was so scared. And I was already loopy from all the drugs. And about six nurses, I don't know how many it was, but like seven nurses piled on me, all right? And then, yeah, they actually did pile on me. Uh, I don't know how many there were, but it was, I was drugged, all right? So, but I do remember this. I remember them going, what are we gonna do? And I just remember the nurse saying, Demerol. And I remember my eyes going, mm. <laughs> And I woke, I woke up the next day, or I woke up later on, and I, I don't remember if it was the drugs or, or my arms. I just couldn't move them very well, you know? I, I don't remember which one it was, truthfully. Uh, I could have been both. I don't know. Um, 
But I remember that first night, Kelsey holding my hand, and I had that tube down my throat, and they were just seeing if my intestines were going to kickstart again. And I was just going there, going, oh, God, this is terrible. This is terrible. And I couldn't sleep. And you had to sleep on your back, and I can't sleep on my back. I'm like a pillow hugger, you know, and... I couldn't sleep on my back, and I remember sitting there, and I remember going, this is terrible, this is terrible, this is terrible, and I did it, and I like, it was one of those like weird crying things, like I couldn't cry real hard because it hurt, but I just remember going, no, don't do it, it hurts, you know, and I couldn't talk, (laughs) and I was hungry, and I was thirsty, and I hadn't eaten anything in a long time, and I just remember sitting there, and I remember my wife, and I remember like I was just sitting there complaining, she said, what can you give thanks for? With this tube, (laughs) the size of a golf ball now down my throat. (laughs) I was just sitting there. But you know what's funny is even in those moments, when I started giving thanks, I started being thankful for thanks. And what was really funny is a lady that we've been reaching out for years to was my nurse. And it was one of those things that we were looking at and going, and I remember sitting there in my head, and I was like, God, this is an opportunity. Help me be thankful. And so when she'd ask, how you doing? I would go, wow. (laughs) And she was like, is that sarcasm? Oh, I really feel bad. (laughs) And I would just try to be positive. What was really cool is those nurses wrote me a thank you note and just saying how positive that I was throughout that whole experience and how much they, they just loved having me. And uh, it was really, I've never had that happen before. That was kind of neat. But it's just one of those things that when you start giving thanks in a trial, when Babylon is looking at you and going, you have no reason to be thankful, and you start giving thanks, the world goes, I have no clue what to do with this. I don't know, I don't know what to do. Thank God, there's some people who have that NG tube for months only had it for four days, and I will write a book of how much they tortured me with it, you know? (laughs) But it was just, when you start giving thanks, weird things happen. You start recognizing God's excellent spirit and how he's moving. You start realizing things that were problems are not opportunities for God. Daniel realized that his strength didn't rely in him, but it relied in God. And that's what they hated. They hated that God gave him strength. And they hated that they couldn't do anything about it. Verse 16. Remember, right now, Daniel, uh, they'd gone to the king. They said, we're going to throw Daniel in the lion's den. You have to. And the king's tried to get him out of it, but he can't. Verse 16. The king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God who you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his signet ring and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, no sleep, uh, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, oh Daniel, 
servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And if we stop right here, this is where the bad guys won. Because let me tell you, lions don't stop hunting things. They don't stop eating things. The king expected not to hear anything come out of that cave. And that's what the world does with us. That's what Babylon does to us. In impossible situations, when you're in no way, shape, or form, should you have any joy, and you have joy, the world looks at it and goes, huh, I didn't expect that. You, what do you mean? You've taken sexual abuse as a child, and you've turned it into a positive thing? What? How? Because what Jesus has done in me I can't stop talking about it. So, uh, someone asked me recently, they said, why are you so passionate when you speak to us at church? Where does all this like, passion, where does all this excitement come from? And I said, because I remember what it was like to go to hell. And I remember on September 5th, 2005, I did something about it. And I trusted Jesus. And he gave me this excellent spirit to live by. And guess what? Here's the thing that'll blow your mind is it truly has changed my life. It is taking the worst moments of my life who I didn't share with anyone and turn them to highlights to where I'll say, weirdly, would you, I, you get, I get asked weird questions by church people, which I think is kind of funny. If you could go back in time, would you change anything? My answer is No. You want to know why? I've seen how many people have been freed by my story. And if I didn't have that, they wouldn't be freed. Babylon looks at that and goes, I don't know what to do with this. You see, in the times when it's the bleakest, the world just thinks it's over. But it doesn't have to be over if you live by the excellent spirit. There is victory, amen? amen. He didn't stay on a cross. He came down. He came out of, of course he came down, but he walked out of this tomb to where Caesar said, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with it. I cannot stop the victory that God's doing. You cannot stop the victory that God's doing. God's gonna have his victory, guys. And I would much rather be on the side of it than opposing it. I'd much rather be on this. We are powerless on our own. That's why David prayed three times a day. He knew he was powerless. It's why Daniel needed God and God was so relevant to him because his need for God. Daniel needed God. Rick Warren said this, you never know how much you need God until God is all you have. I believe that's why Daniel gave thanks because they couldn't take that away and they can make it illegal to pray, but that doesn't mean they can stop you from doing it. Jesus says it like this. If anyone would come after me, let him first deny his cross, and, or let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. A gloomy thing like the cross is a symbol of victory for believers. We can raise from our troubles because he rose from the grave. Verse 21 says this, and then we're going back to Daniel real quick, Daniel 6, 21. That king yelled right into there and he said, Daniel, 
Your God whom you serve continually, is he there? Did he do it? Verse 21, he heard something, and this is one of those moments that is going to scare someone completely to death. Because you know how many people before this was thrown into lion's den and lived? None that's written down. So the king did not expect an answer. Put yourself in that shoes. I, I love that. I love putting myself in, like, in the king's shoes. And then Daniel says, may the king live forever. What? <laughs> Unless one of them lions just started talking. That's Daniel. Which I don't know what's more, more scarier. Is a guy surviving hungry lions or a talking lion? I don't know which one is scarier. Probably the guy surviving lions. May the king live forever, verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and before you. King, I haven't done any harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no harm was found on him because he had trusted his God. And the king commanded and those men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and they were cast into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them, broke all of their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and languages, and, and dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all the royal dominion that are tremble be fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall never come to an end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs> That's the king saying that. A king just looking at that and going, I have no explanation for this, but I know that he did it. The last thing we're gonna see is that our small personal victories can work for huge victories for God. Those little things that we think we're just being, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient in you. God can go, I wanna do something much more than that. Because of your obedience, someone as influential as the king is going to realize who God is. Daniel kept doing this. He had a history of converting kings. Nebuchadnezzar, I bet you didn't know this, Nebuchadnezzar is the only Gentile to write in the Old Testament. You know what he says in chapter 4 of Daniel? I with my own hand. I with my own hand declare that God is Nebuchadnezzar said that because of what Daniel did, because of small victories that we do. The small victories that we go out and we do and how we handle ourselves out of here can turn into huge victories for God. Guys, don't stop. We just sang the song, never stop. Take that to heart. Never stop. Never stop. That's a great thing. You know, TC talked about yesterday of having something on your tombstone. That'd be fantastic to have on your tombstone. Never stop. Don't stop when the world says you should. Don't stop when you don't think you can go any further because our strength doesn't rely on us. It relies on God, amen? amen. And we don't have to listen to what the world says anymore. We don't have to do it. So if we want to be victorious in Babylon, remember these four things. Be selfless. Be selfless. And trust the excellent spirit. 
The second thing, give thanks for his excellent spirit. When's the last time you gave thanks for what Jesus, for Jesus' Holy Spirit to guide us? God, thank you that I don't have to do this on my own. Thank you for the church that I go to, that I am not a wanderer in the desert and they actually care about me. Thank you, God. Start giving thanks. Realize that the excellent spirit is fighting for us. Your battles are not yours any longer. They're God's. They're God's. And that our small victories can turn into huge victories for the excellent spirit. Turn into huge victories. Guys, it's been an honor talking to you guys today. But let's be honest. If you just walk out of here and you don't do anything that we talked about, all the work and preparation of classes mean diddly squat. It's what we do outside of these walls that determine how we are going to be in Babylon or not. Let's say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I, I pray, God, that you, God, I pray that we realize that we can't do this on our own, Father. We need you. And God, if we're gonna have victory in Babylon, we need you, Father God. We need you. We can't do it on our own. And Lord, I just pray that, that, no matter what is going on in our life, that God, in the Babylons in our own life and everything, Father, that we realize that you have this, that God, you can overcome everything. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you in your holy, magnificent name. Amen.